Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hi. Oh, I'm glad you joined the call. Um, I think I've decided, remember last time, or those of you who were on the call last time, I wasn't sure if I was going to take roll or not because it takes a lot of time for me to mark it all down. And So I thought, well, why don't we just announce um, your name and what city and state you're from. And rather than me saying welcome to the call after each and every person, um, just know you all are welcome and it's great to have you on the call. But I think if we try to um, just go right on down the line and just say your name and city and state, um, that would be awesome. So um, somebody go ahead and start. I know it's going to be for Talks at once or everybody's silent. So, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll so just see how this goes. So, well, well, the headset probably. Well, I don't know. Maybe you should. Maybe you can. Can you? Hello. Marcy. Marcy Dome, Hillsdale, New York. Tanya. Okay. And Tanya, what's your last name? Taylor. Taylor. Oh, that's right. No, Tanya. Okay. Somebody else had a different last name. Like, never mind. Okay. Tanya Taylor. And where are you from? Something, Texas. Yes, Texarkana, Arkansas. Oh, Arkansas, that's right, Texarkana. Okay, and somebody else? Allison Carroll from Jackson, Tennessee. <laughs> Who is from Jackson, Tennessee? Allison and Yanu, Jackson, Tennessee. Oh, hi, Allison. Good. Okay, somebody else? Lisa Atira Florida from Maryland. Uh, Atira, <laughs> is that Atira yeah. from Maryland? Hi, welcome. And who else? Lisa Normandia, Luz, Florida. Lisa Normandia from Tampa, Florida. Okay. Uh, Lisa Marshall from Lawton, Oklahoma. Oh, Oklahoma. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Lisa Marshall. All right. Oklahoma. Well, we have people from all over in this in this school this year. Okay, go ahead. Yes. Regina. Regina Patterson King from Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico, welcome. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, who's from Idaho? I'm from, my name's Janine Durning, and I'm from Idaho Falls, Idaho. Oh, Janine, okay. Yeah, you're coming to the California conference pretty soon. Yes? Yes. yes. Oh, good. I look forward to meeting you there soon. Um, oh. Let's see. How about East, uh, North New Jersey? <clears throat> North I New am Jersey. Yes. Donna Cormier from Rutherford, New Jersey. Oh, hi, Donna. Okay, welcome. Hi, Pastor. All right. And East Maryland, that was uh, Atira. How about yes. Southwest Michigan? Oh, from Kalamazoo, Michigan? Oh, okay. Uh, it shows up as Southwest Michigan. Kalamazoo, who's that? Uh, that's Rosemary Knox. And, oh, um, hi. Okay. And Central Massachusetts, would that be? Hi, 
Diane Galato from Southbridge, Massachusetts. Yes, hi, Diane. Okay, (laughs) welcome. Um, Let's see, I have a number 19. (laughs) I have no idea who that is. (laughs) But um, let's see, and there's another Michigan. That Michigan is me, Pastor Lane, at 517, Lansing, Michigan. Allison. Oh, Allison. Oh, okay. All right. Um, let's see. Have somebody from New York. Who's in New York? Oh, that's Hi. I'll, I'll go with New York. Joanne Yoshida. Oh, okay. Hi, But Diane. I live in Japan. Oh, to Japan. Oh, okay. From New York. Okay. Praise God. Wow. What time is it where you are? It's... Nine in the, it starts, the call starts from 9 and it goes to 11, so I leave a little bit early from the call because I have to go to, uh, I teach a class at 11. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> well, I appreciate your sacrifice. Um, <laughs> let's see, Oklahoma. How about Central North Carolina? Chandra Terry. Oh, hey, Chandra. Good. Welcome to the call. And uh, now I have one that says Western and Southwest, <laughs> so I don't know who that would be. Uh, and anybody else that hasn't said hello? Uh, Denise Salo, Opelika, Alabama. Oh, hi, Denise. Welcome to the my phone. Probably, my phone probably still says Michigan. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. That's the other Michigan then. Okay. Um, let's see. Oh, we have guest 21. Who <laughs> 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 just, just came on the call. <laughs> hello. Hello. Who's that? Hi, Pastor Lynn. Oh, Lisa Heimbach? Yes. I recognize your voice. I'm starting to get to know people's voices a little. <laughs> oh, welcome. All righty. Um, anybody else? Oh, who's Connecticut, I wonder? Hmm. She's on mute, so it might take her a while. She might have already said hello. But anyway, After Lynn, yes? this, is, this is Carrie from Stafford, Virginia. Oh, hi. Carrie okay. Tyre. Oh, Carrie Tyre. Okay, Welcome. Well, Carrie, um, I'm going to pick on you a little bit, if you don't mind. Would you go ahead and open us in prayer, please? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Father God, we're so grateful. We're just so grateful for you. We're so grateful for this technology, Lord, that we can connect this way and connect with you at the same time. Father God, I just pray um, that we would all have a sense of belonging, all have a sense of um, just um, being a, a part of your kingdom, Lord, important part of your kingdom advancement tonight, Lord. And I just pray for each and every woman listening, Lord God, that you would um, shower down your, your blessings on us as we speak, as we talk. God, that you would guide all our conversations, Lord God, that would be edifying to one another and edifying to you, and um, that you would give um, great wisdom as you already have to Pastor Lynn as she also responds. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, um, also, Donna Cormier, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Cormier, okay. Um, At the end of the call, if you're still on the line, would you close us in prayer, please? That way I'll remember. uh, Or if you can remember, that would be great. Um, Okay. Thank you. Appreciate that. Okay. um, I just want to say how proud I am of you all. Oh, my goodness. I've been trying really, really hard to read at least one essay or watch one video from each person this month. And I mean, they just come pouring in, you know, and it's so wonderful that you're staying on task. You know, the majority of you have four 
items in my folder that I have for you, you know, and it's just so encouraging to see that you're turning in your assignments weekly. It's, I mean, it is just wonderful. You're really going at this course the right way, the best way, the, the way that you're going to get the most out of it by keeping up the way you're doing. And I'm just like so overwhelmingly pleased with how you all are doing. And um, I just, it, it sounds, I've been reading a few, I've tried to read a lot of essays today and, um, you know, periodically here and there. And it just sounds like y'all are really already growing and learning and, and getting a lot out of it. So I'm, I'm just so blessed by uh, how you all are dealing with the school and, and going through it so well. So um, kudos to you guys. I mean, you guys are just doing so well and I'm just really pleased. Um, so I'm just going to go right on into the questions because we have a lot of them. Um, wanted to clear up real quick uh, first. You know that you don't need to send in a, a chat question for every chat. You only need to send one chat question in a month. And I think there's not even one due in October because there are so many that we need October to kind of catch up on any that we didn't get, you know, um, Whichever questions that we don't get to, you know, during a phone chat, I will scoop them over into the folder for the next chat. And, you know, I just keep doing that until the end of September, and then whatever we have left over um, will, you know, go into October. So um, I'm going to try to just go through as many of them as I possibly can. So, um, and, you know, I may try to hear from one, maybe two people on the questions. So please don't be offended if we, you know, say uh, if you had a burning thing to share um, and I say, okay, and we're going to go on to the next question <laughs> because the only reason I'm, you know, kind of moder moderating it that way is because I see how many questions there are and how much time we have and things like that. So I'm watching the screen, I'm watching the questions, I'm watching the time, you know, it's, it's like, it's quite a bit. So. Um, we're just going to try to move right along um, with the questions. And if if you did want to share something and we didn't get to you, <clears throat> please go ahead and put it on like the level one page, um, and that way everybody can see it and you can share your thought. Um, also, I'd like to hear from more people. Um, you know, there's in any kind of group setting, there's always somebody who you know, is very comfortable with speaking and, you know, maybe has a lot of experience in that. And, you know, there's always like two or three like that who are not afraid to just jump right in and, and share. And that's wonderful and we appreciate it. But um, I'd really love to hear from just about everybody. I mean, I'd really love to hear from everybody eventually. And um, so don't be afraid to jump in there and share something, even if you've never had that particular experience before. Just share with us what you would do in that situation. And um, <clears throat> it, it's just, you have a lot of wisdom. You know, a lot of times we feel like, oh, well, what I have to say isn't important. You know, they don't want to hear me. Well, yes, we do. <laughs> because you do, what you do have to say is important, and we appreciate hearing from you. So um, don't be afraid to speak up. So, all right, here we go. The first question is, uh, or comment, is from Marie Gaspard. She says, um, okay, in reviewing the requirements for licensure, this is a kind of a level two question, but y'all going on to level two, appreciate it. Um, it says you don't automatically receive a license. Well, it says you receive a certificate. 
uh, upon graduation, uh, a dance minister certificate after um, you successfully complete the course. Um, she says, my understanding and reading is that you have to make your intent known if you wish to be licensed under Dance for Him or your church. If your church does not provide that option, on graduation, do you receive another certificate um, as a dance minister? Okay, so, um, yes, in level two, uh, if you successfully complete the course, at the end of the course, you receive a dance minister certificate. That indicates that you will have studied a course of material and um, with an emphasis on ministry and dance. So um, you'll automatically receive the dance minister's certificate should you complete the course successfully. You have the option of being licensed through Dancing for Him Ministries if you want to. It's an option. You don't have to be licensed. Um, and what does licensing mean through Dancing for Him? That's um, it's kind of like in a church setting, for example, uh, a, um, an ordained minister is usually the elders in the church. The elders in the church are usually ordained by the pastor of the church. And the um, deacons of the church often aren't licensed by the pastor of that church. So the um, elders, you know, do a lot of the more ministerial things and the deacons do more serving of the ministry and serving in the church and, you know, set up and clean up and greeting and ushering and all that kind of stuff. So, so being licensed through Dancing for Him Ministries is likened to being a deacon in the church. So it, it connects us in covenant, you know, a covenant relationship. There's no, like, you know, obligation or anything like that, but just by virtue of being, you know, with Dancing for Him for two years and being with all the other sisters in the school and whatnot, we, we kind of established this covenant relationship. It's really awesome. Um, being licensed through Dancing for Him is, you know, I would pray for you and cover you in your dance ministry if your church doesn't cover you. Like, for example, um, if you have a dance team or dance ministry inside of your church, your pastor would cover you for that. Um, and I would never suggest that you not have your pastor cover you for that. That's, it's, that, you know, that's your first priority is to your pastor. So I would always also you know, recommend you know, if your pastor is going to license you, then that's fine. You wouldn't need licensing for dancing for him. You wouldn't, it wouldn't be necessary. But if you know that you're going to do like, you know, workshops going out or you're going to be, you get invitations for ministering and dance at other churches and things like that, and your church, you know, is more, more inclined to cover you for um, activities in the church, then, you know, you can, I would kind of cover you in prayer for those things outside of the church. So, um, and, you know, just, pray for you in general. So um, also with licensing, it's, um, you know, you're licensed through Dancing for Him. So it's kind of like helping and serving the ministry, like being an AP, for example, to a level two student once you become an alumni, um, you know, reading essays and watching uploads and commenting and, you know, encouraging, helping somebody uh, through level two and that kind of thing. Um, or helping me with, you know, videos or if you're skilled at, you know, uh, online vehicles, you know, you can help me with that. Um, you know, um, maybe you'd start 
carrying my products uh, as you teach workshops and things like that, you know, promote the ministry, forward things from my website, that kind of thing. So, um, so that's kind of what licensing is. And as you go through level two, if you decide you'd like to be licensed through Dance for Him, um, all you have to do is just write a little, um, a little paragraph or two telling me why, why you would want to be licensed through Dancing for Him. And um, you would do the nine uh, leadership lessons. Now, by the time y'all level one get to level two, there'll be a book for the leadership lessons. Um, and I think it'll be called Pillars of Leadership. Right now, the lessons are online, but we're working on um, publishing the book. So, um, <clears throat> so by the time level one gets to level two, the, um, the leadership book will be available for that. Um, and you would just study the lessons, study uh, uh, not eight or nine of the lessons, and then do a, a ministry activation um, for that. So don't worry about that now. I'll explain that later. You'll see it in the directions when you get to level two. But um, so that's all that's required, you know, should you desire to be licensed. And um, and also once you're licensed through Dance Graham, you would you know keep in touch with me every now and then. You know just say, hey, Pastor Lynn, how are you doing? This is what the Lord's doing in my ministry. You know, I'm going out to, I'm going out to um, you know, dance at this church. Can you pray for me? You know, that kind of thing. Um, you can also post it in the alumni page and things like that. So that's a good question, Marie, because I know a lot of people tend to ask that quite a bit. So, all right, now we're going on to Donna Cormier's question. Um, when starting from scratch, what is the best way to see what other dance ministries are doing? Um, well, I would say YouTube is a wealth of, uh, you know, like as far as their dances, you can see that. But as far as what they're doing, what do you mean by what they're doing? Like the types of dances or how they handle their ministry or what do you mean? Yeah, a little of both. Um, uh-huh. You know, how they uh-huh. present themselves, um, praise garments that they wear, um, uh, yeah. how they work with the music and the worship team. Uh-huh. Oh, well, the the Dance for Him um, Facebook pages, the uh, the school pages and whatnot, this is something that everybody can kind of talk about, you know, um, share pictures and, and that kind of thing. That's one way to do it. Um, going to YouTube is, you know, another way, um, just kind of seeing garments and that kind of thing. Um, but then a lot of times there are big community events, you know, like Feast of Tabernacles or, um, you know, some kind of, you know, sometimes churches get together and do celebrations or, or whatever. Um, you get to meet, you know, some of the local dance ministries or like, Years ago, we used to have the March for Jesus, and we practiced and got together for that and that kind of thing. Um, so, um, you know, you can look at other people's Facebook pages, um, mm-hmm. inquire, you know, ask, ask to join their Facebook page, and then kind of inquire, you know, well, how do you handle this, or what do you guys do for that, and where do you find garments? Um, one of the uh, assignments for Level 2 is to find uh, garments pages online, and then I post their findings on the About Us page. Well, it's the actually the Other Links page. So that's, that's one way where you can find out, you know, where a lot of garments are and things like that. Okay, does anybody else have um, an idea before I spend all night talking too much? <laughs> so, 
Somebody else want to share? But Pastor Lynn, this is a tear. I liked it when I went to the um, Bahamas, and oh, yeah. um, there was other dance leaders there, and they had workshops. And uh-huh. jumping in their different um, workshops gave me an opportunity to talk to them about their leadership and um, about their garments and mm-hmm. about their different approaches to dancing. You know because. Mm-hmm. Um, there was so many, like Aisha, you know, with her warfare dancing and stuff. It was so much um, wisdom there, you know, to gather from. So usually I'll, I'll try to attend a different, different conferences where there's other different leaders that are mm-hmm. there teaching different dances and trying to glean from them as well. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, going to those, these big conferences where there's lots of different teachers, you can learn a lot doing that. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I'm going to go on to Carrie Tyre's question. Uh, if the dance ministry team is not working on an upcoming ministry piece, what should the agenda of a weekly one-and-a-half-hour meeting look like? In other words, they are in between dances and do not have another choreographed dance on the calendar yet. They're still meeting weekly but not practicing rehearsing for a particular da- scheduled dance. Um, well, what I would recommend is studying um, like the Dance, Dance, Dance book, you know, going through um, a scripture or a, um, a Hebrew, Greek, or English word every week and discuss some of the scriptures and maybe do the active word study like we do in the conferences. I'm not sure if all of you have been to one of my conferences yet, but we do something called the active word study. And I think the Dance, Dance, Dance book and Dance, Dance, Dance DVD is one of your assignments for for March. I'm not positive, but I think it is. And so you'll get an idea in the Dance, Dance, Dance DVD what an active word study is. It's a fun way to learn the scriptures that relate to movement found in the Bible. Um, Also, I would recommend, um, you know, you could do that for like 15, 20 minutes, half hour or something. Um, You could also... Uh, study the uh, Team Terrificus book, which y'all have just gone through, um, you know, kind of go over some team tip concepts and that kind of thing. Um, do that for a little while or take one tip a, a week or something. Um, <clears throat> you might want to practice uh, dance composition. The the new dance composition DVD is so much better than the old one. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, these concepts, especially practiced together as a team, you're going to come up with so many ideas that you can put into dances. So, you know, just as creative activities that you can do with dance composition. Another thing, um, I don't mean to just use my own stuff, but it, you know, this, these are great for dance team practice time. Um, the creative worship, you know, take some worship music and practice worshiping together through movement. Um, you know, a lot of times, especially for somebody who's new, uh, it's in, it might be a little intimidating to dance during praise and worship during a regular, a real service. But if you practice worshiping together during practice time, maybe even, you know, have the lights a little low so people feel comfortable, um, you know, don't feel like they're being watched or something like that. Um, that's, you know, kind of a nice thing to do. Um, you may practice even prophetic dance, the, you know, ministering the Father's heart one to another and that kind of thing. Do some prophetic dance activations like you might have, might have seen in the conference. Um, so, 
uh, you might want to do a modern dance class or part of a modern dance class or practice a certain technique after you warm up. You know, how do you do that leap where you leap forward and then leap backwards at the same time? You know, those kinds of things. You know, take a, a concept that maybe you saw on YouTube or you saw on my modern 2 DVD or something and just practice that, you know, after you warm up, of course. Um, so there's, you know, of course, prayer, open and close with prayer and that kind of thing. So there's lots of things that you can do. Um, does somebody else have a suggestion of what you could do during the time that you're not practicing a dance? Um, I have one suggestion of mm-hmm. teaching. Um, in between, you're not ministering at the church. You can also go outside of the church and minister, get it approved through your church. But mm. a lot of the nursing homes would love to see you there. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, mm-hmm. in between some of the um, when we're supposed to be ministering at church. And uh, we went out to the nursing home and put flags in all of the residents and even the um, the people that work there, hands, and we just put on worship music, and then everybody was just waving their flags all over the um, nursing home. And it, 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 just, it, it was just a way of continuing to keep us uh, in, in a worship kind of mode, but it was also a feel-good kind of a, uh, feeling once we left. So that is another oh. option as well. That sounds wonderful. Who was that that just spoke? Uh, this is Rosemary Knox from Kalamazoo, oh. Michigan. Oh, Rosemary Knox. Okay. I'm trying to get to know the name and the voice. <laughs> so thank you for sharing that. That's just a great idea. Um, I'm going to go ahead and move on. This is um, Ray. Uh, Ray. She only has Ray chat one, but I don't know who Ray, Ray, Ray. Let's see. Sandra Ray? Um, I think it's Sandra Ray. Um I don't know. It doesn't have her name on it. Um, we had a dance teacher for the children. She set rules for them to be in a program. Many times the children would not come, and I would hear her call them and ask them where they were. Oh, call them on the phone, I guess. Um, the children got mad and complained to their parents, which in turn made the parents mad. Or the parents complain and gossip about the teacher. How do you deal with parents who will not stand behind their leader? Um, so she set rules for them to be in the program. Okay, many times the children would not come, and I would hear her call them and ask them where they were. Okay, the children got mad and complained to their parents and so on. Okay, and then the parents complained and they gossiped about the teacher. Okay, who would like to share about that? Uh, Pastor Lynn, it's Cicely from Philadelphia. And Santa, right? Cicely Santa from Pennsylvania. Okay, go ahead. And I always encourage that if when it comes to children and the youth, I always reach out to the parents first. Mm-hmm. And so that takes away because at the end of the day, the pa- the parents are responsible um, mm-hmm. for So I reach out to the parents. Uh, they also, um, we also have them sign commitment form when they join just mm-hmm. so working, you know, we're, us and the parents were working on one accord, um, you know, to allow the children to minister unto God. So that's just one example. Yeah, that's excellent. That's that's what I would have suggested, that the, there should be, you know, guidelines for dance teams and that if somebody's like under, well, probably even under 18, um, the parents should sign the agreement or the guidelines so that the parents are aware of, you know, what's expected and that kind of thing. So 
Um, yeah, and even having, um, you know, talking with the parents um, before the children sometimes, you know, to make arrangements especially because they're the ones that have to drive and things like that. So, yeah, that's, that's excellent. Um, does anybody have any ideas of what to do, like how to deal with this situation? Like this is like after the fact. This is like, um, you know, they didn't have the guidelines or whatever. She went to the child. But how does, how does she deal with that now? You know, like dealing with parents who don't stand behind her and that. Um, it's, I mean, it's kind of like she has to almost start over again, but she's kind of put out these fires first. So how, how would you suggest, um, you know, she kind of handles this situation? Anybody? Pastor Lynn? Uh-huh. This is Chandra Cherry. Uh, uh-huh. That's actually Lenora Ray's question. Lenora Ray. <laughs> yeah, Lenora I remember Ray. it because, yeah, Lenora Ray. But okay. I'll, I'll go ahead and answer the question. Um, uh-huh. I would like have a a meeting and just reiterate um, the rules. And, you know, even though the parents are complaining, it's a good time to just go over the guidelines of what they've signed, if they signed the contract. If they have not, then, um, you know, having a meeting, reinforcing that, the fact that you're going to stick to the rules and also, you know, bring in, you know, talk about how, you know, God he wants us to be in decent and order in everything that we do. So, you know, having a, like a, um, a Bible session, a little um, mini Bible study in that session and kind of reiterating it. If you begin mm-hmm. to lose parents, then it's fine because mm-hmm. you want those that want to be more committed mm-hmm. and it's going to enforce that with their children because you don't mm-hmm. want children in there mm-hmm. where their parents are not, you know, also, you know, supporting you on your guidelines. Exactly. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. I'm going to move on to Stephanie Clark's question. She's level two. So she's asking, um, are we required to complete another application for licensure for level two? I, um, For those of you who are in level two and you saw that on the guidelines page, I've already deleted that line, um, you know, to fill out the application. That was before I incorporated it into level one. Um, so all of you who are in level two already filled out the application. So I've deleted it from level two. It's it's not necessary because you already did it in level one. So and those while I'm on that subject, those of you who are level one, I think in March, one of these months is an easier month as far as essays and uploads because uh, I think part of the one of the titles says something about all about you. And um, you send in, you know, a nice headshot, you send in a bio, you fill out an application. And these are all to kind of prepare you for, um, you know, the short bio, for example, is to prepare you in case, you know, some of you already have been doing this for years, but if you haven't, um, it prepares you for writing a little bio that somebody can put in a program or put on a on a um, handout for a conference and that kind of thing. So it kind of gives you practice for that. Um, the long bio is, uh, you know, to prepare you for, you know, making your own website, um, you know, for your dance ministry and that kind of thing. Um, the headshot would be for that as well, for your website and for, 
you know, the uh, handouts and that kind of thing. So it's kind of preparing you for ministry. And the license um, applicate, or I'm sorry, the application is for because because Dance Supreme is certifying you at the end of level one and certifying you at the end of level two and possibly licensing you those that go on to be licensed. So it's important that Dance for Him has on file an application. So we do that in the easier months, which I think is either March or April, I forget. But anyway, so that's why you fill out the application. Um, even if you don't plan to be licensed through Dance for Him, it's the license is for the um, um, certification at the end. So anyway, so good question, Stephanie. But I have deleted it. So because everybody's doing it at level one. Okay, this is Lisa Heimbach's question. Um, how do you handle a dancer on the team who has a controlling spirit? She clearly wants the authority to be in charge and steps in and undermines the direction of the leader that has been given the vision from God. <laughs> okay, who'd like to tackle that one? <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, somebody share. Can you still hear me? Because all of a sudden everything went quiet. <laughs> yeah, we can hear you. <laughs> okay, good. All right, so you are on there. <laughs> so, go ahead, somebody, somebody talk, maybe somebody who hasn't talked before. How would you handle a dance? Even if you haven't experienced that, what do you think would be a good thing to do? Um, it says, how do you handle a dancer on the team who has a controlling spirit? She clearly wants the authority to be in charge and steps in and undermines the direction of the leader that has been given the vision from God. Um, Pastor Lynn, mm-hmm. I have dealt with that, and usually what I do is um, I give them all the work that I do as the yeah. leader. I make them do the choreography. I make them do all the forms and paperwork. I make them do the phone calls. And I give them all of the control and all of the power. Uh And they are gladly to give it back. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. They they don't realize Um, all the work that goes in. That's uh interesting. Who was that that just shared? Uh, This is Rosemary Knox again from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, Oh. Say that again. It broke up. Uh, Rosemary Knox. Oh, Rosemary. From, okay. okay. But that's what yeah. I have encountered with one of the persons that they thought that they can do. Um, I wasn't doing enough, I guess, or they felt like they could do or be me, I guess. And so I gave them all this homework assignment one time, and I says, I need you to choreograph this. We need it by such and such a date, and I need you to teach it, and I also need you to lead our Bible study that we normally have. And also, mm-hmm. can you call all the ladies and tell them we're meeting here? And mm-hmm. by the time I kept on giving her a long, long list, she kind of backed off. And, and she uh-huh. said, ooh, I don't, I don't even want to be you. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Wow, that's good. That's good. I hadn't heard of, of that solution. That's just really good. Um, what what I've done in that situation is just be silent and let mm-hmm. let that person's words fall loudly on her own ears. Um, and 
what happens when there's one person who is obviously controlling and who's obviously trying to take over or be obnoxious or who knows what. Um, one, they really are hurting and they need to be affirmed. They, or in, in life, they have not been affirmed. And, you know, so they're seeking attention in inordinate ways or, or not appropriate ways. And so um, what happens when somebody acts out or is, you know, all the things that we just mentioned, the the rest of the people don't, they, they, they obviously see that that person has the problem, that, you know, there's no fault of the leader. Um, so the rest of the people tend to then rally around the leader um, knowing that the other person is the one who needs help, needs love, needs prayer, um, and that kind of thing. So, uh, and that that seems to work. You know, you just just be silent and let their rantings or their suggestions, you know, just kind of fall on their own ears, and then they realize, hmm well, I'm not getting the attention that I'm trying to get. I'm not getting across, you know, I'm not gaining control. Um, and and also any response would be in a gentle, loving manner, you know, exemplifying the fruit of the spirit. And whenever I do that, people seem to just kind of, okay, okay, Pastor Lynn. <laughs> you know, it's like, it just seems to diminish somehow, and you know, it just. But that's that's what I've experienced anyway. Um, but I like uh, I like what um, dear, I've forgotten already. From Kalamazoo, Michigan, Knox, um, Rosemary said. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's probably I don't have the names in front of me. Okay, let's move on to um, uh, Nor. Um, oh, Robin Nor. Okay. Uh, first question for the chat this month is about dance notation. How is dance written down and recorded so we can keep what has been choreographed to be able to do the dance again later or teach it? When I was at Ohio State School of Dance 40 years ago, we learned Laban notation, and the school used an IBM electric typewriter to write the symbols for dance. Dance notation was written up and down and as opposed to across like music. So what is the updated way to write down our our dances? Um, well, I wrote back to her and uh, I said, well, kind of what we do now is videotape with our phones. You know, it's mm-hmm. just you, you videotape your practice mm-hmm. with your um, cell phone and then, you know, you can send it to each other or, you know, project it up on the screen or put it on a computer or, um, you know, so there's there's ways to share, you know, share the clips on, you know, the dance team's Facebook page, that kind of thing. So um, <clears throat> now sometimes I'll hand write things, but most of the time, well, now it's just kind of in my head. You know, when I choreograph, I just keep it in my head and just practice. Um, like all the dances that are on the DVDs, Lately, the last several years, I just kind of remember them in my head and then, you know, practice them and then do them. But um, before that, I would write them down by dividing up 
piece of paper up into like eight little squares. And then I would write the words in the squares and then I'd draw my own little squiggles inside. Like, um, you know, a little teeny square would mean a flag and a long oblong would be a bill cloth and, you know, an X would be, you know, just dancers and O's might be dancers coming from the other side or something, you know, or whatever. But I would have my own, make up my own little notations. Um, but so putting the words of the song with the moods uh, seems to help. And I mean, I remember some dances I used to do way back. I, it would be almost like a book. I mean, it's like a manual. It's so thick and so many pages of <laughs> of notations. And But the good news about that was that if I had to go and teach a conference or something, my assistant could look at my notes and lead the practice while I was gone. So, um, so it is helpful sometimes to write it down, but primarily um, the easiest way really is to just videotape it and, and watch it and review it. And when you videotape it and you see the dance, you think, oops, oh, wow, we all need to fix our arms. Oops, oh, boy, that didn't look good. You know, <laughs> we got to fix that. So it's, it's really a lot easier nowadays than it was back when I first started. Um, so anyway, let's go to Amy Tang's question. Has anyone used artistic worship to begin a smaller workshop or conference? How has it worked for you? I found it tricky to get um, traction with a smaller group, especially if not everyone arrives on time. Any suggestions on how to adapt it for a smaller group? Um, for those of you in level one, if you haven't been to a conference or you haven't watched the artistic worship DVD yet, you might not know what she's talking about. Um, artistic worship is the first thing that I always open a conference with, and <clears throat> that's where um, I'm led by the Holy Spirit to, um, you know, kind of create this beautiful tapestry of worship, like the first 45 minutes or so of the conference. And so people come into a worship atmosphere in the conference. Instead of just coming into chit-chat, we come into a worship atmosphere. And I might put them, you know, as however the Lord leads, I might, for example, take um, billow cloths and make a plus sign with them and then put dancers in the pie shapes there and maybe put four flags on the outside edges and then take somebody to walk around with a flag. And as more dancers come in, have them kind of fill in you know, in the pie shapes and follow the leader kind of thing. And then after a while, I'll kind of change the shape around. Maybe create like four circles and, you know, have somebody be a leader in each circle and that kind of thing. So for me, it's usually a big, you know, massive thing. Um, and it's just beautiful. It's a great way to open up a conference. But Amy's talking about if you have a small workshop setting, um, how would you go about, you know, facilitating artistic worship. Um, so, well, I'll go ahead and share because I've done that. Um, <clears throat> I had a teeny little workshop, and it was intense. It was a five-day intensive, actually. And there are only, I think, five or six of us, a uh, very small group and um, in, a, in a dance studio. And uh, they came from Jamaica, actually. Two of the girls came from Jamaica and stayed for the week. And, and we, it was intense. I mean, we went, we did a lot. I won't go into it now. But anyhow, when we did artistic worship, um, we did everything that we normally do in artistic worship, except we'd only have one billow cloth, maybe two flags, uh, one dancer, and then trade out, you know, have uh, somebody else take the end of the billow and 
somebody else take a flag and maybe change the positioning around a little bit and that kind of thing. So um, it really kind of worked out. Um, we might put the props down for a little while and just do some north, south, east, and west, some uh, creative worship concepts and that kind of thing. Um, or take some time to just worship on your own. You know, everybody just kind of spread out and just worship on your own uh, with nothing in your hands. And then maybe everybody grab a flag and just worship on your own. Or everybody follow the leader with a flag, you know, that kind of thing. So um, you can pretty well do just about everything you do on artistic worship, but just on a much smaller scale. And it's probably easier to start out giving somebody a prop you know, giving them the props and then going from there. Um, I would try to always leave myself out of, you know, I, I whenever I lead artistic worship, I never, tr- I never hold on to a prop or hold a bill of cloth because then I'm really stuck. <laughs> I won't be able to, you know, change people out or see if, oh, this person's arms are getting tired, I have to help them or you know, I can trade out this person, you know, so I like to be kind of in charge the whole time. So I don't involve myself in, you know, being stuck holding a prop, you know, because then I, I can't help somebody else. So, um, but anyway, yeah, it, it can be done. Um, probably the best way is to get them started with a prop in their hand and maybe have them follow somebody uh, doing some simple movements, something like that. And then once everybody has the prop, then maybe you could arrange them. You know, you can kind of gently, um, you know, motion, okay, let's get in a circle. You know, you can make motions of a circle with your arms and that kind of thing. And, you know, then maybe lead the motion, you know, or something. Um, so it can be done. I, I see I see how it can, um, it would be tricky if all you've seen is the larger you know, conferences and, and whatnot, but um, that's a good question. Um, okay, this is Dana Angel's question. I am aware that in level two, there is an option to be licensed through Dance for Him. What's the difference between, uh, what's the difference between getting licensed as opposed to being ordained, and will ordination be available through Dancing for Him? No, um, I, I, Dancing for Him Ministries is um, a licensing and ordaining organization. In other words, it's a 501c3 nonprofit organization that has the ability to license and ordain people, but I choose not to ordain um, anymore. I, I did the very first year, um, but I don't want that responsibility because ordaining somebody um, is, is a, it's a weighty responsibility, and I don't want people to feel like if they just go through two years of you know, a few uh, dance DVDs that they can automatically be ordained. Um, It's a very serious kind of a thing, you know, being an ordained minister of the gospel. And, you know, whoever is the ordaining organization is responsible for their spiritual um, life, you know, is responsible for their spiritual activity, um, is responsible for kind of knowing you know, where they're going and what they're doing and how they're ministering and what's their life like. Are they still living for Christ? And, you know, it, it's it's a big, heavy responsibility, and the school is growing by leaps and bounds, and there's no way that I can wrap my arms around, you know, 500 people or whatever, you know, whenever it gets that big. I'm, you know, I just, I, I don't want that responsibility to, um, so, you know, maybe have your, 
pastors ordain you, you know, as ministers inside your church, you know, something like that. But um, Dan Superhim will license somebody. The difference I mentioned earlier, the difference between license, well, well, I told, talked about licensing anyhow. It's likened to uh, a deacon in the church. And being ordained is likened to being an elder in the church. And so the elders of the church take on more spiritual responsibility and the deacons take on more servanthood. Um, type responsibility. So, you know, I I don't want to be the responsible ordaining organization over, you know, a huge number of people that, um, you know, are scattered all over the world. And, you know, it's just, it's a very weighty responsibility. So that's why I don't do that. Um, you know, and plus, you know, we're, we're studying to be dance ministers, um, so ordination typically means you can marry somebody, you can bury somebody, you know, you can do funerals and weddings and that kind of thing. And, you know, I, I don't want to be responsible for that either. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be responsible to say, okay, you are ordained. And, you know, next thing I know you're, you're marrying, you know, people in your church or something. You know, I just, like, that's not my focus. You know, my focus is in training people to uh, minister the gospel through the arts. Um, so uh, anyway, I hope that kind of explains it. Uh, so it's a, a very serious thing being ordained and a uh, weighty responsibility, and there's just too many people. Um, and, you know, like I said, you know, people will then expect that because they, you know, watch some DVDs and write some essays that they can automatically be ordained. And I just... I think there's more to it than that. Um, <clears throat> so I hope that answers the question because I know a lot of people are ask, would ask that as well. Okay, this is Ruth Braun's question. I'm curious if anyone has some ideas to encourage and give opportunity for men to release the unique, unique worship dance that is inside of them. Okay, let's hear from somebody new. Let's hear from somebody who has not shared yet. Um, she wants to know if anybody has ideas to encourage and give opportunity to, for men to dance, basically, um, to release that unique worship dance that's inside of them. Because the men are oftentimes feel like, oh, that's the women, the women do that, the ladies do that, oh, that's for the kids, you know, something like that. So a lot of men feel like that's a feminine activity. So um, who would like to share about how to Encourage the men in that. Um, this is Lisa Normandia. What I've done in the past, um, I would encourage them, like, for instance, if we have, um, we do a dance and we have, like, someone with a flag or a banner. So sometimes mm-hmm. we'll ask maybe one of the dancer's husbands and mm-hmm. he'll come out with a flag and wave it. So it's kind of, you know, encouraging the other men that it's okay to also to be part of it, you know, it's not only a feminine type of ministry, just for ladies. So I've noticed that kind of encouraged them, and um, it's helped with the flags. Like men tend to want to go with like, the flag ministry, so that's what we've done, and and it's helped because it encourages other men that you know, and that's what we've done. That's awesome. That's that's a great idea. Yeah. Somebody else want to share? Hello, uh, this is uh, Lisa Marshall from Oklahoma. Hi, Julian. This is Tanya oh. in Texarkana, Arkansas. Wait, let, let's let Lisa Marshall 
Yeah. Go ahead, Lisa. Uh, I wanted to share. Uh, at the one church I used to belong to, uh, there was this couple, and she and her husband uh, did a dance for uh, Valentine's Day. And she encouraged her husband because she was a part of the dance team, and uh, she got permission to do a, a, a dance. And he was a willing vessel that was willing to be used. And so she asked him to dance, and when he did it, it was uh, a blessing to the other men in the ministry. And so then we needed a, a man to do be a part of the, the dance uh, for a, a we did a, I guess it was a, a dance where we needed a man to be a part of um, a prop, and it actually ended up being my husband, and so it encouraged him, and so it was like, okay, we need a man, and so because the other man was used for Valentine's Day, then my husband, he was okay with, okay, what do I got to do? Do I have to dance? And uh, the Spirit of God just said, well, we don't know, and then God kind of was, was like, well, we're going to need you to do X, Y, Z. And he was a willing vessel that was willing to be used by God. And he had to do a couple of turns and spins with me, and he was okay with it. And uh-huh. so just just by the other <laughs> husband being willing to do that on Valentine's Day, uh, my husband was okay with doing it with me at another time when we needed a man to step in at that time. So when you get another couple or another man that's willing to say, I'll do it with my wife, and then mm-hmm. my husband was okay doing it with me. So it'll just open up doors when you see other men doing it with their wives. And so that's another way that you can get them to step up and do something in the ministry. Yes. Oh, excellent. Yes, that's, that's wonderful. That's good. Thank you. Um, Tonya, did you want to say something? Or are we just... And they're probably trying to unmute. Can you hear me now? Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, my my suggestion was for the flags. When I went to the Cleveland conference, uh, and uh, Marsha's husband waved the flag, that was so powerful. Oh yeah. And then the blowing of the shofar. Mm-hmm. I, I think he he really really enjoyed that. And uh, yeah. I was actually surprised when I saw uh, a guy in the video. So that broke me out of box. Of course, it's for everybody. There's no male or female in the spirit, but it was mainly the flags and the banners and the shofar that I thought the men would really get into. Yeah. And, um, so I appreciate what Dennis did or what what the two gentlemen did. Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, and you should see that couple dance together. They do that Hebrew folk dancing in in their ah. own in their own little circle, and oh, wow. they do that Roni Roni song that's really fast. <laughs> mm. And they did it they did it together at the uh, retreat our retreat one year, and it's like three thousand three thousand feet high ab- above sea level thirty five hundred. Oh. I mean thirty five hundred feet above sea level, so. It's, Air a little thinner, and that's a very aerobic dance, and they were humming and puffing more so than they normally do, but he loves to dance with his wife. Yeah, it's just awesome. But anyway, all right, this is Janine Journey's question. My question is, I know that we are to proof the Dance website and the product, but I'm unclear where on the website will we give specific areas to read and proof for each week. Um, I think she probably already 
got that. I think um, this question was sent really early, and I think she's already figured that out by now. But um, each in your um, semester breakdown uh, on your level info page, as um, semester one, semester two, and so on. If you click on semester one, of course, then you've got week one, week two, February, week one, February, week two, week three, and so on. And each week, it's, I think it's probably the first line in each week without having it in front of me, says something about, I think the first one, for example, was, you know, basically look at the Dance Dream homepage and then explore the links that go directly from the homepage and see what's there, you know. So it's, it's right there in the weekly lessons. I think it's the first line without looking it up. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. So um, if you still don't know, you can email me and ask me, and I'll try to copy and paste it for you um, to show you where it is in your uh, semester page. But I think, I think you already got it by now. Um, okay, this is Susan Finley's question. Um, does anybody regularly fast as you prepare for a comp? Um, she's asking me, but I'm going to ask it to y'all. Um, do you regularly fast as you prepare for a conference or workshop or dance or anything like that? Um, I, my answer to her for me, because I've had two kidney transplants and I'm on um, special immunosuppressant medication. Um, I have to take food with my medication, and so I don't fast food. I might live fastedly, you know, perhaps, um, you know, cut out sugar or maybe not watch TV, you know, a couple mm -hmm. nights before or something like that. But um, as far as fasting, the way we think of fasting, I typically don't do that um, just because, you know, for health reasons. So. Um, but there are other ways to fast. You know, you can, you know, fast uh, TV and or something, you know. <laughs> so um, anyway, anybody else um, do any kind of fasting before you prepare to minister or prepare for a workshop or anything like that? Well, I'll also say that this um, Dancy for Him was really founded from a fast. Um, I had fasted something. I don't know if it was meals or sugar or I don't know what it was, but I fasted for 30 days. And, um, well, you all read the story, I think, if you've gotten to that part uh, about my bio in the website um, or about the history of Dancy for Him. I don't know. You probably haven't gotten there yet. Maybe Level 2 has. But anyway, um, yeah, that was, you know, the the dancing for him was born out of a result of um, of fasting for 30 days. Um, but it was, again, I, I think I, even back then I was had just had a kidney transplant, so I couldn't fast like, you know, just drink water or just eat this or that. You know, I had to be very careful about how I fasted. But um, it can be very powerful uh, in drawing you closer to the Lord, um, you know, gaining more um, spiritual, uh, you know, being more spiritual and entering into his presence uh, better and hearing more clearly and things like that. So it definitely is beneficial. Um, but you have to be wise, you know, with how you fast and seek the Lord as to what would be the best 
you know, for you and, and, you know, be mindful of your health and um, that kind of thing. So, but anyway, um, okay, this is Wendy Smith's question. What are your thoughts or ideas on how to get through a choreography block when you have a deadline to keep? Um, anybody have any ideas on that? How you get through a choreography block when you have a deadline to keep? <clears throat> Yes. Hi. Marcy Gimes. Um, oh, okay. I, I don't have a, a ministry to do that with, but I have deadlines for DFH, and I am really blocked a lot of the time. So what I have to do is just stop, walk away from it, sit down uh-huh. with the Lord, pray, feel his peace, then at least to go back and start working on it. And 99% of the time, the Lord brings me to reveal something that I'm able to videotape and then upload to school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I would do. That's, 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 Just yeah. ask him to show you. And, and that's how it seems to work for me. And, and that's how I get through most of the homework. Mhm. Yeah. No, that's excellent. Yeah, that's that's what I would do. I, the, exactly what you said. That's exactly what I do. <laughs> so, does, does anybody else have um, an idea? Like, if you get blocked for choreography, any ideas? Don't be shy. <laughs> There's got to be 30 of you on the phone. Somebody has to That's say something. Yes. This is, this is Janine Journey. Okay. Um, what I used to do, I had a, a youth team, and mm-hmm. the Lord would give me um, sections of choreography in the dance. Mm-hmm. And so what, what I was doing is that I was teaching them how to hear the voice of the Lord mm-hmm. through the choreography. Mm-hmm. And so he, I would teach them... I would teach them the choreography that I would get, and then we would get to the section where I would have a blank. Mm-hmm. And then I would say, okay, now, now you guys are going to listen to the voice of the Lord through the song, and you're going to be the ones that are going to create this section. Mm-hmm. So they would listen, and then they would get the choreography for that song, for that that's section. Excellent. Yeah, that's excellent. And it, you're... But, and what it taught them is it taught them leadership skills, it taught them leadership, mm-hmm. and then it also taught them how to hear the voice of the Lord and how to see mm-hmm. how it fits together with the rest of the choreography. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. You're, you're a great teacher in that, you know, by raising them up to do that. That's really awesome. <coughs> Another thought is... Um, have the if you happen to have a group uh, and your choreography block, have the group do some of the dance composition exercises and um, create create the exercise that's in the dance composition. You know, just pick an exercise, anyone, and then put it to the music where you have the blank and see 
you know, what ideas you get from that or see how, you know, something may work. And um, it's the dance composition is a really valuable tool. And, you know, I'm surprised that I don't sell a ton of those because that that dance composition DVD is and the choreography are have the most valuable information <laughs> that will transform your dance. And um, so, but it's funny because even when the new one came out, I didn't sell that many of them. But people don't understand or don't realize the value that's in there and the zillions of ideas that they can get, you know, just by practicing some of those dance composition ideas. But anyhow, um, <laughs> so that's what I would do. But anyway, yes? Is that? Because that's exactly what. Uh oh, we're losing you. Whoever's talking, you're fading in and out. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think we lost you. Sorry. Remember that and come back, okay? We're going to move on to Chandra's question. Um, but but try to remind me, you know, a little later on if you're able to get back on. Um, this is Chandra's question. For those who have held workshops, what have you found to be the best way to draw people to attend your workshop? Can somebody share who has had a workshop before? This is a quiet group. Now I remember why I write down the names because then I call on people. <laughs> you don't want me to do that. No. <laughs> Speak up. Uh, so the question is, what's, what's a good way to draw people to your workshop? Kathleen, this is Regina. <laughs> okay, Regina, hi. I was being obedient, so I haven't answered any questions because you said if you answer the question, ask answer the question last week, last time we had our chat, not to speak. But oh, if you oh. answer the question. <laughs> okay, please, yes. <laughs> um, for me, what I have done to to get people to come to, to workshops and get more participation is basically I start with my church body, with the, the dancers from our group, and we try to minister with other dance groups in the community from different churches and mm -hmm. tell them, we kind of spread the word that way from through through the the churches that we're associated with, mm -hmm. and our friends, and inviting people that don't necessarily attend the church but enjoy dancing. So that's mm -hmm. that's cool for us in getting people for our workshop. Nice, nice. Now that's good. Um, how about locally? Do you use just do people use Facebook if you're having a local event? You know, like if you have a Facebook page or do you go to other people's group pages and announce your event and that kind of thing? Anybody? Oh, that's what I do. <laughs> so I announce it on my Facebook page and then I go to as many group pages as I possibly can and announce it there. And then I have the mailing list and I announce it there. But um, also... Uh, Locally, what I've done before is gone to the local newspaper. Not that that many people read the newspaper as much as they used to. You know, it's more it's more so 
reading news online. Like by the time it gets to print, the news has already happened and it's already been online and they're on to the next thing, you know. But nonetheless, there are people still, you know, sometimes pick up a paper and um, they have the religious section, they have editorials that are sometimes free. Or if you have a Christian radio station in your area, um, sometimes public service announcements are free. And, you know, if it's a Christian radio station, a lot of people, that goes out to a lot of people. And if they still have free public service announcements, um, you can get a few spots on there. You know, a lot of people hear about it that way. Um, but primarily it's word of mouth. Um, if you happen to know dance, other dance leaders in the area and the community, um, that's what I did too. I, I really got to know a lot of the um, dance leaders in the community and they brought their teams and they brought, told their friends and, and that. So, um, <clears throat> so anyway, those are some ideas. Um, all right, this is Amelia's question. Um, what do you do when someone has a passion to be in your dance ministry, but they don't pick up dance moves easily, and even following simple directions is difficult for them to grasp most of the time? Has anybody experienced that? Um, yeah, if you talked on the chat last time, it's okay. You can talk again this time. I just didn't want, like, two two or three people to do all the talking on one chat. You know what I mean? So if um, you know, if you talked last week and nobody else is saying anything, it's it's okay. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, um, what does what would some some of you say uh, when you have somebody who doesn't pick up the steps that easily and has difficulty uh, following directions and whatnot? Would somebody like to share about that? Go sure. Ahead. This is hello. This is who? Yeah. Denise Salo. Oh yes, Denise. Go ahead. And um, I had someone in my team on Michi- in Michigan who um, was 90 years old, <laughs> and so oh, wow. she and she didn't as well. So what I did was um, paired her up with someone else, and then um, also help her to figure out exactly what part she can do. So she would be on the side uh, most of the time, and she would be doing a little bit slower version of what the other people were doing. And um, some things she did really well, uh, like waving the flags or waving the um, billow cloth, she was really good because she was tall. And so mm-hmm. she was really good at that. So um, I would always make sure if we were doing billows that, you know, she would have um, a main uh, spot doing those. And then um, had her always working with somebody or um, if it was, if I needed to, you know, sit with her separately, I would do that and just work with her so that she would feel comfortable and it would work with the whole team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, that's really good. Um, the the benefit that you had with her probably was that she knew that she was unable to maybe do fast moves and things like that and was probably willing to try whatever she could because she wanted to participate. I wonder what what you do if there was somebody who just really, really wants to do the fast parts and maybe aren't willing to take an easier role, you know, or that they just have a really tough time. Um, you know, like like I know when I take contemporary class, you know, the uh, – 
there's some choreography that we do at the end of class that, you know, they roll around on the floor and get up really fast. Well, when we're in the middle of practicing that choreography with music, I know that I can get down okay, but I know I can't get up. So it doesn't bother me to re-choreograph that section for myself. <laughs> you know, I just right. I just make it look like everything, that, what everybody else is doing, but I can accept that. You know, I'm okay with that, that I, I can't go on the ground. I can get on the ground, but I can't get up that fast, you know. So, you know, what I'm trying to say is that I'm okay with what I know that I can't do and I modify. But Amelia is is dealing with somebody who wants to be a part of everything that's going on, but they are just not getting it. And, you know, so how how would Amelia handle, um, you know, giving this person another part when, you know, they really want to do the other parts? Um, well, like you said, Denise, probably, you know, have them pair up with somebody. Pair up. Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. Yeah, have have her pair up and um, have that person, you know, maybe take some extra time, right? Um, yeah, and then you can see what they're capable of too. Like when they're pairing up with a partner, you can see what they're able to do, and you right. can um, give them something that's going to, you know, be what, you know, show their their capabilities at a right. better and and maybe it's you know, a better part of the dance that right. they're able to do too. So give them a lead once in a while too because you uh-huh. know what they can, you can see what they can do. Yes, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, Pastor, Pastor Lynn, this is yeah. Um I had a, a, a similar experience. It was with a younger, one of our youth dancers. Uh, mm-hmm. She really wanted to be a part of the group dance mm-hmm. and she just could not get the dance moves. So what I did was I told her that I would stand in front of her but off uh-huh. to the side. And uh-huh. the, the, the dance instructor, the leader of the dance group, she wanted to just pull her and not let her dance at all. But uh-huh. what I did was I said, I'll stand off to the side. Nobody will know that I'm standing in front of you and just uh-huh. keep your eyes on me. Just look uh-huh. at me. And mm-hmm. so I told her, look at me. Don't look nowhere else. Keep your eyes on me, and they won't know you're watching me. And uh-huh. so she was able to get through that dance. But later oh, on, her mother just came to me and told me, she said, look, she has no rhythm. <laughs> she, oh. says, and she says she really wants to dance, but I think she's just on the team because of her friends. And so she just later on and told her she made up her mind she really wanted to do piano and not be a part of the dance team. But she Uh was just really on the team because of her friends. And so, but she actually got through the dance by following me. Uh Uh-huh. And so, but, uh, yeah, the other dance teacher just like, no, we're going to cut her from the team. I said, but she showed up at every rehearsal. Right. One of the requirements was if you come to every rehearsal, then you get to perform. So I told her, I said, just follow me, you know. Right. So that's how she was able to get through that dance. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Um, here's a, another little tip that that reminded me of. Um, it's very minor. It's very slight. It's not real, real obvious. But I think it's in the choreography book um, that an audience's eye naturally moves in the direction that we Westerners will read. We read from left to right. 
So when mm-hmm. we look at the stage, we naturally, our eyes naturally gaze going left to right. So it's not a bad idea to put your stronger dancers on the left of, you know, if you're in the audience looking at the stage. Put your um, stronger dancers on the left and your weaker dancers on the right. Then they won't get noticed as much. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's very slight and it's not a big deal. And don't, you know, say, oh, no, we can't put so-and-so over here. You know, it's like, it's just a suggestion. Um, you know, because we, and also, um, when you study the choreography book and the uh, value of direction of movement, you know, movements going from upstage, um, upstage right to downstage left, which makes the audience look from left to right, um, is a stronger movement. So if you have somebody who's a stronger dancer, you may have them do movements kind of in that direction or coming right at the audience and that kind of thing. Whereas weaker dancers, you may have them go the opposite direction because that's like the weakest direction. Well, actually, circle is the weakest direction, side to side is second weakest. But if you want somebody to not be seen as much, have them go opposite of the way that people naturally read. But that's just, that's, you know, if it's a big choreographed dance, everybody's doing the same thing. Um, I like Lisa's idea, um, you know, have somebody in front of them to follow specifically. But uh, I just want to throw that out there about the reading from left to right because um, it might be a, a nice way to um, work, place to put somebody. Um, <clears throat> okay, this is Lisa Norman Diaz's question. I know that a dance ministry normally has some requirements in order to be a part of the ministry. Should each potential member sign a waiver of liability form and or medical clearance letter from their physician if they have any medical issues? Currently, there is someone who is inquiring and would like to dance for the Lord. However, she suffers with seizures, back problems, and has trouble walking. Oh, my gosh. Um, I need wisdom in this area. Wow, um, it wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, <laughs> you know, um, let's see, labor letter and medical clearance from a doctor. Yeah, well, typically they do that if you join a gym. You know, if you're if you're a, become a gym member, uh, you typically have to you know sign um, a medical clearance form. Um, I think part of the you know, the contract of joining a gym, you usually have to do a, a waiver of some kind. Um, when I do my conferences, I have everybody sign a waiver. Um, it's it's probably not a bad idea, particularly if somebody knows that they have these issues and whatnot. Um, it's just a good way to protect you and, and protect them, you know. So, um, I mean... Not that many dance teams do that, I don't think. But if you're inquiring about that and you have a feeling that you should, you probably should. It's <laughs> it's probably not a bad idea, you know. Um, yeah, I would just I would just say it's just make it a matter of course, um, you know, especially if you have somebody with those kind of conditions. Um, so, yeah. Um, Okay, Sarah Lynn says, how do you respond to a congregation member who personally comes to you and voices his or her negative opinion of you having worship dance in the church? Oh, bless your heart. 
Um, who would like to share about that? You have uh, a member who comes to you and voices their negative opinion of you having worship dance in the church. Wow. What would somebody say to that? Hi, this is Christine Kovacs. Am I fading in and out? Oh, okay. Hi. Christine, Co- what was your last name? Kovacs. Oh, that's right. Christine Kovacs. Okay. Hey, would you like to share um, what would you do if somebody comes to you and voices a negative opinion of you doing worship dance in the church? What would you say to the person? Well, if the pastor has already allowed it, um, mm-hmm. I just smile and and that's all I do because there's not. I mean, it's already okay with a minister, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't see how they can take it out if it's okay. It's just like if they don't like a person that sings in church, you know. Mhm. Right. I, yeah, that's good. I, you know, I think Sarah Lynn actually, I believe, is a co-pastor at that church. So she is one of the leaders that allows dance in church. So here is a church member. Um, You know, at first I read it like she was just a dancer, dance leader in the church or something. But I recall, I believe she's actually a co-pastor with her parents at that church so here is a member coming to the pastor and saying, I can't believe you're allowing dance in the church. You know, why? And so um, so how would, how should she respond being, let's say she's a co-pastor, how should she respond? Anybody? Well, um, maybe, maybe she needs to, uh, if she is pastoring, then maybe that would be a good, Bible study to share from her heart what um, she feels that God has led her to have in the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's an excellent idea. I had a pastor, um, when I first came out with the Dance, Dance, Dance book, my pastor used to take one of the Hebrew, Greek, or English words every uh, maybe three months or so and share it with the congregation along with a couple of scriptures. So the congregation would be aware of why we're dancing, you know, every Sunday and every Wednesday. Uh, anytime we had opportunity, we would always be dancing in front. So he shared with the congregation. So when that kind of information, support, and approval comes from the head, um, the congregation very easily accepts it uh, as opposed to them not understanding it. So. Um, whether you're a dance leader, a dance member, or a pastor, if if the pastor or a worship leader condones it from the pulpit, um, there's a very, very good chance that the congregation as a whole will accept it. Um, so if, if you're a dance leader or a dance member, not a pastor, it might be nice to talk with the worship leader or the pastor and ask them if they had ever considered um, maybe talking a little bit about dance in the church 
Um, so, okay, this is Angelica's question. Uh, she says, "Let me make it bigger. Hold on, I can't see it." Um, okay, I finished moving to another state to live, and I am praying and looking for a church to join. Which should take which should take into account to choose my new church. I visited a Latin church that does not have the ministry of the still open arts and is a young church. It is very close to my house. I visited another American church, and they told me they have a dance ministry with four women, but it's far from my house. Really comparing the two churches, the American church is more organized and adoration I love, but as prophetic word message came to me, seemed very uh, light and short, maybe enlightening, I guess. Um, I still do not feel confirmation of God to choose and feel that this one that is one of these two should be my church. What advice should I consider to choose my church? Um, So basically, she has a choice between two churches so far. One is the American church. She's obviously Hispanic. Um, and she visited an American church that has a dance ministry. And she visited a Spanish church that does not have dance ministry and it's close to her house. So she's wondering how does she choose which church to go to? Does anybody have any advice? Escalan, this is Linda, Linda Palmer. Oh, okay. Hey, Linda. Well, I would, probably, I would probably tell my dear sister I'm kind of in the same predicament. Uh-huh. <laughs> and what I would do is just continue, you know, just praying with the Holy Spirit because, you know, when I go to a church, I, I know I'm on assignment. You know, I'm on assignment for God to be there, you know, for his purpose and his plans. So that's just something the Holy Spirit will you know, have to, you know, make real to her or whatever. Because, I mean, give me the opportunity. Yeah, I'm going to go where they're dancing. Right. <laughs> and whatever. Yeah. And, I, and right now I'm kind of like in that kind of situation. You know, mm-hmm. there's a place where it's just so open. So I'm still searching the Lord, you know, because it's like, okay, mm-hmm. Lord, do I, you know, what is it? So basically I think that's going to be a situation where the Holy Spirit's going to lead her and mm-hmm. and me also, you know, and just we are we are on assignment. And where, Lord, do you want to use me? And mm-hmm. um, so basically, I, that's just a simple answer for me. But I mean, I under yeah. I can kind of understand where she's where she's at, and and um and it could be that she will she will have influence in both places. You know, right. it could uh-huh. could be. I don't know, but that will be. You know, looking at it like you know she's on assignment. Lord, where right. do you want me, and how can you use me? So that's yeah. just my little answer. That's excellent, excellent advice. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I would say. That's that's wonderful. Um, this is Christine Kovacs' question. If you are limited to about eight to ten minutes of stretching during practice time, what are the best warm-up stretches when you practice um, when you dance or practice on carpet over concrete? Uh, that is a very good question. It's so important to warm up. And if you only have a short period of time to warm up, um, I would do, um, well, lately I've been doing, if you haven't seen me do it yet lately, but the last several conferences I've been doing this new kind of warm up 
Um, and it involves, you know, doing some arm movements and some, you know, stretching up high and then, you know, going down low and deep plie and, and then going into a plank. <laughs> and then you hold this plank for like, you know, 16 counts or so. And then you go down on the floor and you stretch and you stand back up and, you know, circle, run and circle around. Um, it's doing that plank, for some reason, it just heats up my body. I sweat. It's, it's like it's an amazing um, thing that a, what a, a true plank, when you do it properly, you know, it really warms you up. But basically, um, it would be good to do some uh, grand plies in second position, um, maybe do some, um, you know, lunges, maybe do what they call like the runner stretch, but, you know, going down where your hands are on the floor and you have your front leg is bent and your back leg is in a runner stretch kind of position. You've got both hands on the floor and your knee is in line with your ankle, you know, holding that kind of stretch. And then uh, bending down to where your um, feet are apart, but your head is like almost to the floor between, between your feet. Um, and then you turn over to the other side and do a lunge on the other side. And, um, and then there's another warm-up I do. Um, <clears throat> It's like you walk forward, two, three, tap, backwards, two, three, tap, and circle around like a figure eight and then do that, you know, several times. Um, you might want to pop in the um, Modern Dance 1 or 2 DVD and do one of the warm-up exercises from that. Um, the idea is to get, you know, the circulation going, get the muscles warm, um, get your heart rate going a little bit, um, that's really important. And then stretching. You might want to do some stretches sitting on the floor, um, you know, like what they call the butterfly stretch, where you put your soles of feet together and your knees down and, or put your legs out in front and um, reach towards your, you know, toes and um, those kind of things. Um, do some calf stretches especially. Oh, and while you're down on the floor, maybe do some ankle circles, you know, warming up your ankles, warming up your feet, you know, like a flex turn out and point turn in, flex turn out, point turn in. That warms up your inner thighs. It warms up your ankles and your feet. Um, maybe do some um, ball toe, ball heel, ball toe, ball heel, tendu, tendu, degage, degage, you know, those kinds of things. Um, but really, if you pop in the modern DVD, that pretty well takes care of it all. Um, you know, just do the first 10 minutes of the one of the modern DVDs. That should really help. And then, or maybe the first, you know, five minutes or so of the modern DVD and then pop in um, one of the stretch DVDs, you know, or, or learn some of those things and then memorize them and then take them to class because those are, those are really, um, those will warm you up and, and will stretch you. So that's a, that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> Okay, let's go to Shaniqua, Shaniqua's question. Uh, what is the difference between praise dancing and worship dancing? Um, well, I tend to think, uh, this is just me, I tend to think of praise dancing <coughs> as dancing to praise songs, upbeat, faster praise songs, you know, um, and then I think of worship dancing as dancing to songs that are more worshipful, you know, slower worship kind of songs. That's all. <laughs> that's 
my idea of it, the difference between praise dancing and worship dancing. Just praise is like faster, you know, praise songs and worship is like slower worship songs. And that's that's my simple definition. Anybody else have any other uh, idea of what praise dancing versus worship dancing is? All right, this is Regina Patterson King's question. Can boys use all the same worship instruments as girls? Um, for example, streamers, billows, scarves, fans, etc. Or should they only use flags and banners? Um, who would like to comment on that? Should boys use, can boys use any kind of um, prop, basically? <clears throat> uh, yes, Pastor Lynn, this is Cicely again. Okay. Um, we have quite a few young men, including my son, who are on our dance team, and they absolutely can, um, you know, do the flags. Um, you know, we don't limit them at all, um, you know, to, to one particular thing, but we do have a couple of young men, which is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. But they absolutely can do it. Maybe they can, you know, do it in a different manner. Sometimes some moves a little bit more, I guess, feminine. But um, you know we can actually we can work on changing that to you know make sure that um, they're you know ministering appropriately. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. Right. That's the way I feel too. Just um, yeah. Good. All right. Um, was that Cicely that just talked? Yes, Cicely. That just pulled up your question. <laughs> and okay. your question. This is Cicely's question. Um, are there times that you have to redirect someone away from enrolling in this program? Um, <clears throat> let me think. I, it seems that I have um, only because, <clears throat> like, there was one lady from a foreign country, and she could very, she had very, very hard time communicating or understanding what I was saying. She had a hard time understanding my emails. Um, she had a hard time understanding what the school was all about. She wanted to change all the rules. She didn't understand why it had to be done the way it was done. <laughs> you know, so, <clears throat> I mean, she was like, okay, this is not for her. You know, and so I, I was very delicate and very gentle and nice and everything, but I encouraged her to just buy the videos and, and watch them, you know, on her own. And, um, you know, and so... Yes, she I discouraged from enrolling in the program because she she didn't get it. I mean, she just didn't understand what it was about, why it had to be done a certain way. So I could tell that it would have been difficult for her uh, the whole time. The others that I discouraged um, from joining were those that just discovered it at the very last second before school was about to begin. And, um, you know, they... They, or they, you know, I, I think I, I think I discouraged somebody from joining because it was like the day that school was about to begin and they weren't ready, they didn't have any materials, they weren't going to be able to get the materials um, or something. I don't remember what it was exactly, but I'm, I think I said, you know, maybe better if you just wait till next year, you know? <laughs> just that way you have the whole year to get your materials in order, and you can start working on your essays and things like that. Um, So 
there have been a couple times I've, you know, encouraged people to wait another year or something like that, you know. Um, but uh, that's it. So, um, okay, this is Denise Sela's question. Um, let's see, who's in the chat? You know, okay, um, question. Anyone know of a site or resource that has a list of ballet techniques with drawings or silhouettes? to show body positioning for each, such as tendu and plie and port and arabesque. Um, I, mentioned, I wrote back to her and mentioned that um, I've seen some beautiful books in like a Barnes & Noble bookstore in their you know, arts, uh, arts and music section under dance. And um, just beautiful, beautifully illustrated ballet type books. Um, I can't think of the name of them or anything, but I just remember going in there and you know, rummaging through. Um, I'm sure also if you did a Google search, and um, I know that there uh, are sites that have ballet terminology, and some of those sites also have drawings that go along with them. Um, and I, I couldn't tell you exactly what site it is right now, but if you say um, ballet terminology, just do a Google search for ballet terminology, for example, um, you'll get a whole host of, of things that you can open up and see, and you'll, you'll find some that, that do have drawings that are really nice. Um, so, all right, this is um, Debbie Collier's question. What is the best way to instruct someone to show facial expressions when they are ministering in dance? Oh, this is good. I, I think, I don't know who put it up on Facebook, um, but everybody, a lot of people were talking about this. Um, recently in either level one or level two or I forget where it was, but um, in my, oh no, I think it's, actually I think it's on the Dancing for Him page. I think that was the recent Thursday um, like discussion question. Uh, anyway, in my former ministry, there were dancers who would not crack a smile no matter what the music they were ministering to. I am currently working with a young lady whose facial, facial expressions are blank when dancing. She says she feels it on the inside. However, it is not showing on the outside. What do you suggest? Um, anybody have any suggestions for that? I think there's some really good suggestions. It's interesting. I think that was the, the top question for a recent, um, uh, like the Dancing for Him Facebook page every Thursday a um, discussion question comes out. And this was one of the discussion questions recently because I kept seeing the um, responses and they were really good responses. Um, so as you guys, you know, like and share the Dance Room Facebook page, you might go down there and, and look, scroll down a little bit and see the answers. The answers are wonderful. Um, but anyway, does, does anybody have any suggestions of how to get somebody to smile? Hi, Pastor Liz. Uh huh. This is Barbara Simpson. I got on just a, I got on just a little late, um, but um, I am here, and and working with um my students. Usually, when um, I try to get them to do facial expressions. Um, what I do with mine is, um, we'll do word association. And um, if the song is 
expressing pain uh, mm-hmm. or, or something on that level, then I would like, well, show me pain. And if they can't show me pain or don't know what I'm talking about, and then I have to get a little deeper. I say, well, let somebody punch you in the stomach. <laughs> and I say, I say, how would you look? Then it will, then, then it will give me a look. I say, okay, that's what I need. That's what I need. That's what I need. And then uh-huh. if you probably have someone that's a little hard to under, understand because most people catch on, but you might want to just work with that person, uh, maybe on an individual level for just a little bit to mm-hmm. get them to under to understand what it is that you're trying to bring out. Yeah, mm-hmm. um and then first of all you have to understand your song, word association and then you have to relate to what the song is what the song is trying to pull out of you. And mm-hmm. that person has to be able to associate it with that. You ought to give you an expression or a feeling. Mm-hmm. And um so normally okay. when I'm when I'm doing miming or or um or dancing and well I, well, I do a lot of facial expressions, and um, so that's what I do. You have to listen to your song, get familiar with the song, relate to the song, put your um, put yourself in what the uh, song the song or the artist is trying to express. Then mm-hmm. you need to be able to pick up that move. But sometimes it's kind of hard. But I'm gonna say mm-hmm. if, if the person is not picking up on on expressions and Smiling when they're supposed to, they that kind of, they don't have a like they're a little disconnected with the song. Mm-hmm. They will probably have to get more familiar with the song to understand what it is that 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 this song is asking me to do. What is it? Right. Uh huh. No, that's now, good. Yeah, I I taught um, forty eight Korean men and women a huge production dance in Korea. I had three days teach these 48 non-English speaking Koreans a, a big production and I, I had an interpreter the first day and you know she would share what the movements were and all that and then by the, on the third day after they obediently just followed my arm signals and my you know movements I taught them the movements just with moving you know they just followed along or whatever and um on the third day when we were getting ready to present this big thing in this 4,000 seat auditorium in in Korea um they there was like four uh like college students who could speak a little bit of English and one girl very sheepishly asked I mean after they had been just completely utterly submissive and obedient to just follow along, she said, what does this song mean? What does this song say? <laughs> they had wow. no idea what the words of the song meant. <laughs> and yet they were dancing beautifully. They were like, they were just following along. And I was like, oh, my gosh, they don't know what this means. And it was funny because um, when when I did the song, at my home church and at a local community thing. We did it like three or four different places around the community, um, big dance. Um, and, you know, there's certain parts in the song where the audience just naturally just praises the Lord. You know, it's like, yeah, praise the Lord, clap, 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 applaud, applaud, you know, in the song. 
And I did it in Korea. It was silence in the audience. Nobody clapped. Nobody said, praise the Lord. It was like you could hear a pin drop. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this dance must be bad. And I realized, well, no, they don't understand what the words are. They're just watching this pretty dance, you know. I was like, oh, well, you know, we were the entertainment for the night, I guess. You know, <laughs> so much for ministry. <laughs> but, but really, it, it ministered, you know, it was just, um, but I guess the point I was saying was that these ladies and gentlemen didn't even know what the song meant, and they were still dancing. Um, but it would help if people understand what the song means or what the song is trying to convey, if they know what the words are so they can have the, the facial expressions to go along with it. Um, but I think, uh, you know, people used to always say to me, how do you smile like that? Um, and first of all, I didn't even realize I was smiling. I didn't know that I was really smiling. And I said, well, it just comes from the inside out. You know, it just comes from within. You smile naturally. You don't want to fake a smile or put on a grin, you know, because people can see through that. And you don't want to be just deadpan unless it's a very serious song, of course. But you you smile from what's what's in your heart. So it's kind of like out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. I mean, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's kind of like out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth smiles. You know, so if if you're joyful you're going to smile. You know, if you're full of joy and the love of the Lord, you know, it's going to show on your face. Um, so you might maybe have an exercise with people. Um, have them think about either something really funny or a joyful time in their life or, or sometime, you know, like actors will do that. You know, if they have to cry on an instant, they might have to think about somebody dying or something in order for them to cry during that scene in the movie or the play. Um, so likewise with with worship dance, if a certain song is conveying a certain thing, you know, like um, like Cicely, I think it was, was just saying, um, you know, have them uh, think about something that relates to that or have them understand what the words are, you know, have a little practice, a little exercise, you know, in um, understanding what the song actually means. Um, that would really help. Um, okay. This is Tanya Teller's question. Um, would you recommend a different praise dance garment for slow ballet type dances than for Tahelia fast jazz modern type dances? Um, okay. Who would like to share about that? Would you recommend different kind of dance garments um, for slow ballet type dances as opposed to fast jazz modern type dances? Any suggestions there? I was hoping somebody would answer. I had to go open the window. It's getting hot in here. Um, my name, this is Janine Gurney. Uh-huh. Now, doesn't this, wouldn't it have to do with presentations? Is she talking about presentations or, or yeah, just I, worship? I think the presentation dances. I, she doesn't well, say, but I think so. Okay, well, this is how I would look at it, is what is your song conveying? And then your outfits, should 
also bring a message that go along with the song. Uh-huh. That's that's how I look at it. So in other words, if if the song is worshipful, then your clothing should be that way. If your mm-hmm. song is um, like what I like, I said what I did with my worst my youth team. If the song was upbeat, then we adjusted our clothing to go with the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly. Like for instance, if you had the song. Um, most people know this song by Paul Wilbur called Dance With Me. It's just a beautiful three, four times song, Dance With Me, um, a lover of my soul. You know, you probably wouldn't wear boots and um, camouflage gear and, you know, a funky hat and, you know, baggy, baggy clothes. With a, You know, you wouldn't wear a hip-hop type outfit with that song. You know, and likewise, if the song was um, Ty Tribbett's I Weren't All Back, you know, it's all going to take for me to, you know, it's a real upbeat song. It's kind of warfare, beating the devil up kind of a song. You know, you wouldn't wear a beautiful white flowy worship dress, you know. Um, so I, I, you're right. You, you would, you know, kind of see what's appropriate um, for the song. Um, so, yeah, I think, Tanya, what you're sensing there is correct. You'd probably more than likely um, wear more um, worship-type flowy outfits for low ballet-type dances, and you might wear more pants and, uh, you know, you'd probably wear something different for faster-type type dances, yeah. So that's good. All righty. Oh, my goodness. It's 10 till already. All right. Let's do maybe one more question, and then if Donna's still on, um, she'll close some prayer. But All right. This is Dana Angel's question. Um, directions for the March and June creative writing assignments state that we're to choose any – okay, this is kind of a level two question. Um, we're to choose any one of the topics to write about. Are we allowed to combine two of the topics to write about in one essay? Yes, you certainly may. <laughs> so, yeah, that would be a yes. Um, that's good. I just usually tell people just don't write a novel. <laughs> you know, it would be too much to read. Um, but, yes, you can definitely combine two topics. That would be nice. Um, okay, this is Shakira's question. Um, how would you deal with parents of children who may be on your team that act more like stage moms? Uh, sometimes we get children who are followers of Christ that have unsaved parents. Oh, wow. I should have picked uh, that one for next week because um, that will take longer. Um, so she's wondering how to deal with the parents who are like, who are like um, stage moms who you know, want to have a say in everything. Um, does anybody has anybody encountered that? Um, we have only five minutes, so can somebody speak to that? Maybe somebody that works with children and deals with parents that are like stage moms. Yes, um, uh, this is Barbara Simpson again. Okay. I have I have I have encountered that, and um, one one of the things that I've done. Um, 
is ask the parent, you know, nice, polite way to allow me to work with the children and maybe they um, use another part of the sanctuary or the church, in mm-hmm. other words, uh, and then maybe on a dress rehearsal, you may come in and do what we have done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've asked them, um, then I put it in a nice, polite way that it was a distraction for the children to have the parents mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and I also kind of said it right from the start. And then I always ask them if they have to address me about something. Uh, if it's not going to be on a polite way, address me, not even for the children. And uh, mm-hmm. so, so we have done pretty good, but it is a, uh, it is a uh, probably a month by month thing because every so often you have to give a little reminder. And um, so it's always some type of encounter. Um, so that's a part of having to deal with the children. Mm-hmm. And, and and she's absolutely right. There's sometimes the children that you're training um, are more Christ-like than sometimes some of the parents that you have to deal with. So mm-hmm. what I do, I concentrate on my assignment. My assignment is the children. And then um, then I'll find time to discuss what I need to discuss with the parents. Uh-huh. But yeah. she's absolutely right. And then there's always some like, well, my child should have had that part of, you know, but you always got to explain, 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 and then leave it alone. You know, they're not going to buy everything you say, and you know, be upfront and honest with them, and, and basically that's it, because um, each child, um, not all children are leaders. So, uh-huh. therefore, I'm not going to put a child that's shy and bashful out front to leave uh-huh. or, or dance because um, they're ministers. I mean, um, then you out there, you looking at the floor. I mean, who's getting something out of that? You know, mm-hmm. but you have to try to find a nice way to explain it to them. If mm-hmm. they require a uh, uh, answer, and um, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, I'm I'm pretty straight with all of them. If it's some of the ones that can lead, and I never have any trouble with them, you know, mm-hmm. they get the same treatment. If it's my family, they get the same treatment. I go by the book on all of them. It, it, it doesn't matter if it's my grandson or who it is. Mhm. Yeah, that's good. You know, um, I wonder if, I mean, I don't, I haven't, I've only had a few children on my dance team. It's mostly adults, but, and I'll just say this really quick and then we'll close in prayer because it's almost it's like two, four minutes. Um, uh, I wonder if it wouldn't be a bad idea sometime to have, you know, like a parent-teacher meetings, you know, at elementary school, why couldn't we have a parent-teacher meeting, you know, for the um, for the praise dance team for the kids? You know, have a before practice sometime, take five ten minutes or whatever, and just you know, before they start practicing, have all the parents and all the kids in, and you know, kind of share, maybe go over guidelines again, you know, and put in the guidelines you know, certain rules that you think like might keep order better and that kind of thing. And maybe even have a little lesson about the fruit of the spirit. You know, the parents and the children can hear about the fruit of the spirit because um, then, you know, you're not pointing anybody out, but everybody's getting the lesson. And, uh, 
you know, that would help in a lot of those situations, I think. But sounds good. All right. Um, well, this has been a really good chat. We covered a lot of questions. And um, the next chat time is probably the second week in March. Let me just see. Um, let's see, March. Yeah, if y'all can remember me in prayer, um, I'll be gone to California from Wednesday, March 4th. And Thursday, March, I'll be away. I'll be setting up the tables on my birthday, <laughs> March 5th. Uh-huh. And um, coming back on Sunday the 8th from California. So, And there are, I think, four students and one alumni um, going to be at the, no, five. There's, I think, four level one and one level two and one alumni coming to the California conference. So I'm really looking forward to meeting all of y'all. Um, so if you could just remember me in prayer, you know, for that conference, that God's power will be manifest and that his presence will be there and, um, you know, that people will be touched and healed and delivered and set free and that we'll all remember everything and, you know, all that. So, um, but anyway, so the chat uh, is, let's see, all right, today's the 22nd, oh dear, 2nd and 4th, I'll be coming back from California that night, I'll be exhausted. Um, but I guess we can still have the chat because that's the second Sunday. How does that work? Hmm. First, why, why don't I have it on the first and the third? Because I'm always away on the first weekend. Oh, I see. Because I don't know. Okay, so all right. I'm sorry for t- thinking out loud, but yeah, the next chat will be. Getting... <laughs> it's March 8th for the next chat. Um, even though I'll be tired coming back from jet lag in California, um, I'll hopefully call on you all, and you're not going to be shy by then, and you'll speak up, and everybody will um, participate. So we'll have our next chat on March 8th, and the one after that would be the um, 22nd, I guess. Um, so that would be the 4th, the 2nd and the 4th. But anyway... All right, so great chat. Thank you all for participating. I appreciate hearing your voices, and um, I can't wait to read more essays and watch more uploads. I'm, I'm trying to get at least one thing from each person, watch or read one thing from each person each month, and uh, even that's tough, <laughs> but I'm working at it. So uh, thank you. You all are doing a great job, and um, I look forward to hearing from you next time. All right, God bless. And um, so, Donna, would you close this out in uh, prayer, please? You only have two minutes, please. Thank yes. you. Okay. Yes, hallelujah. Uh, Father God, we praise you and we thank you for this blessed time that we share mm-hmm. together, uh, the thoughts that were put out and uh, the great ideas and the beautiful fellowship with all the Dancing for Him sisters. Uh, we thank you for our wonderful teacher and mentor, uh, Pastor Lynn, and for all her great direction. Uh, We love you, Lord, and we pray for continued growth in all of our dance ministries. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray this. Amen. 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 Thank you. Bless you all. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.